Bathsheba. And this week we start looking at the judgment. Now, we're not going to go into 2 Samuel chapter 13 in a whole lot of detail. And here's the reason why. It's probably one of the most sordid and awful chapters uh, in the Scripture. Uh, it is just dreadful. And what, what's happening is we have the outfalling uh, of David's sin. Uh, first of all, we're going to find that uh, Amnon uh, rapes his sister Tamar. Awful, terrible, gross, as wicked a sin uh, as, as you can imagine. It's going to ruin her life. Uh, it's going to <clears throat> leave a, a horrific impact on her. And, and then we're going to find in the chapter that Absalom, the <clears throat> David's other son, conspires and murders Amnon. I, and in the middle of it all, we're going to find that David is impotent. He does nothing. He doesn't take, he, he, he doesn't take action at all. He does nothing in the situation. And probably no wonder. Uh, David knows that what's falling out in his family now is because of him, is God's judgment on his life. Uh, in a sense, uh, in one area of David's life, God's restraining hand has been removed because of David's sin, and David knows trouble. And every time David looks at these problems and these difficulties in his life, he's going to know, you know what, this is my fault. I'm the cause of this. And David is going to bitterly regret again and again uh, the moment uh, of <clears throat> passion that he had uh, with Bathsheba, he's going to come to regret that again and again and again. And, and, and let me say this to you fathers that are here, you, you, you that hope to be fathers. You know, we never want to think of our sin having an impact upon anybody else, do we? When, when we allow ourselves to get uh, involved in sin, always what we want to do is we want to make there's no impact of it. There's no problem, there's no issue, it's just something I have to do and I'm going to do it and it's going to be done. That's never true. Sin always has a cost. Sin always has a price tag on it. The price tag is always more than you want to pay. It's always more than you want to pay. The price of sin is always going to cost much more than you imagined it would in the first place. And it's going to not only affect you, but it's going to affect others too. That's not just for fathers, that's for everybody, but fathers in particular, I want you to understand that you get to actually see the impact of your sin on your family, and it's horrible. That's what David is doing here. He's seeing the impact of his sin on his family. That's why he's going to cry when finally Absalom gets uh, you know, the, the death he deserves. But David's going to cry and weep and wish it was him and not Absalom because, uh, because David's responsible for all of it. Let's, let's not for a moment <clears throat> think that we ever get away with sin. Sin always has to be paid for. There's always a price tag on sin. There's always. God will forgive, but you know what? There's going to be uh, repercussions of sin in your life always. That's just the way it is. That's just the way. You know, the sin that you confess and deal with and forsake uh, is going to be a, uh, bring blessing in your life. But when you don't do that, there's always going to be a price tag for you to pay on your sin, all right? Now, what we're going to focus on this, t- this evening, though, is we're going to focus on Jonadab. And we're going to talk about friendship rather than talk about all the gruesome events uh, of, of this chapter. And um, <clears throat> by the way, if you ever want to understand the impact of abuse uh, in somebody's life, look at Tamar. Tamar's life is ruined because of this abuse uh, in her life. 
Right? And um, uh, you, you can go through it in detail. It wouldn't be fitting to go through it uh, on a night like tonight, but you can go through it in detail and you can look at the situation. It was a wicked, wicked thing. And there's absolutely no love involved in it, whatever. It's lust and it's selfishness. Anyway, <clears throat> let's read. We're going to read <clears throat> the first few verses of chapter 13. And it came to pass... After this, that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Now remember, David is, uh, uh, has polygamous marriages. He has many wives. Uh, we looked at this fact. Where David has many wives, and with the result, he has many children. Now his many children are related. They're not all from the same mother, but these many children are related. Uh, to each other. So you've got just, you know, you've got uh, <clears throat> what polygamy brings. Uh, you've, you've got the awful confusion in David's household of uh, children that are half-brothers and sisters and so on. And, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you've got just a difficult, difficult situation, difficult for everybody. And um, that's, what, that, that's what David is dealing with. He's dealing with the difficulties of not doing it God's way. God's way is one man, one wife for life. Right? When, you, when you veer from God's way, God doesn't send lightning bolts very often. He can, but he doesn't. What God does very often is he lets you enjoy the consequences of going your own way and doing your own thing, which is <clears throat> worse sometimes, right? So uh, David's got this difficulty in his home. Um, <clears throat> Amnon is lusting after his half-sister, Tamar. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Right now, so two thoughts here. First of all, Amnon wickedly has allowed himself to desire his half-sister, which was forbidden. Uh, he has wickedly allowed himself, but he's the king's son. He's not going to do anything about it. It was impossible that he should do anything about it. He's going to stay away from her. He's not going to get involved in that. Uh, you know, he's got enough sense to know this is out of bounds. It's not going to happen, and he's not going to do it. All right? Uh, so uh, he looks at his half-sister, but he's not going to do it. But look at verse 3. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very subtle man. Jonadab is very subtle, means Jonadab is very clever. He's very crafty. Jonadab uh, <clears throat> knows how to work the situation and work people, right? He's the nephew. He's the king's nephew. Uh, his dad uh, is a shifty kind of a character. And he's shifty, and he knows how to work himself into the center uh, of the power uh, in the palace. And that's what he's doing, right? Now, <clears throat> it says that Jonadab... Uh, that Amnon had a friend, Jonadab, but Jonadab was no friend to Amnon. Right? There was no friendship here. There was nothing that we would call the loyalty or friendship or anything here. Uh, what we have is we have a character uh, whom it suits to actually ingratiate himself into the, into the king's family. Now, now <clears throat> follow, me, follow with me. Um, <clears throat> to the end of the chapter, and you'll see what I'm, uh, what I'm talking about. By the end of the chapter, <laughs> what we find is, uh, we find that Absalom has killed, he has murdered Amnon. Absalom is Tamar's brother, 
uh, and he has murdered Amnon by this point. And in verse 31, and the king arose and tear his garments and lay on the, on the earth, and all his servants stood by with their clothes rent. He had been told that all the king's sons had been killed by Absalom, right? And look at verse 32, and Jonadab, okay, this is Amnon's friend, Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon only is dead. For by the appointment of Absalom, this hath been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. He was no friend. He was no friend. Now, here's the thought I want to give you tonight. You need to choose your friends well. You need to choose your friends. Do you know if it hadn't been for Jonadab, Amnon would probably never have committed this horrific crime. Now listen, you can't blame somebody else for your wickedness, and he really couldn't blame Jonadab for it, but you know what? Jonadab pulled one of the restrictions away for him. Jonadab told him, yeah, listen, you can do it. Jonadab made it possible for him to do. And do you know that your friends can make it possible for you to do things that God would not have you to do? They can help you to do the wrong thing. Like they can help you to do things that you would never dream of doing by yourself. That's a word of prayer. Father, would you bless us, Lord? Help us as we look to your word, Lord. Help us as we <clears throat> begin to understand, Lord, how it is that these things work in our lives. And Lord, help us to choose good friends. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, w- w- would you be with us? Would you help us in Jesus' name? Amen. <clears throat> British newspaper recently ran a and um, <clears throat> a competition, and the competition was offering a prize for the best definition of friendship. Now, it would be interesting for us to go around the room tonight and for you to give me your definition of friendship, what a good friend was. Uh, but the winning definition read this. It read, a friend is the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. Now, that's probably not a complete definition of friendship, but it's interesting. That's what we want in a friend, isn't it? We want somebody who's there for us no matter what happens. We want somebody who's going to be with us, who's going to be there for us, one who's going to be on our side, uh, one who's going to stand by us when all else turn against us. That's what we want in a friend. Now, why do we want a friend like that? Because we long for friendship. We're social creatures. We just do. You say, hang on, I'm in a pastor. I'm not, I'm not that, that kind. Yeah, you, you know what? You'll find that you are. That, that you long for friends. That you long for people who understand you. That you actually work in your life to have people that understand you. It's the way you're made. No man is an island. No man is sufficient unto himself. We might like to think we are sometimes. I mean, I, I dream of, you know, when things get bad, I'm just going to go, just going to be on my own, live on my own, uh, on an island with nobody else around, and it'll be peace, and it'll be great, and it'll be fun. And you know, it's a nice dream, but there are a lot of dreams in life that you never need to put into practice, because if you did, you'd find they were horrible. And that's one that would be horrible. You can't survive by yourself. We can't survive. We're not able to. We want to. When we get fed up with, uh, <clears throat> with the pressures of people, we want to, but we're not able to. And we need to understand that, that it's not possible for us to be on our own. So the reality in your life is you are going to have friends. Right? That's just going to happen. You're going to have friends. Now, you need to choose the right kind of friends. See, Amnon had a friend who was not the right kind of friend. And Amnon 
wormed, Jonadab wormed his way into Amnon's affections and Amnon's trust so that when Jonadab told Amnon what he could do, in this case wickedly, you know what? Amnon said, yeah. You know how that works? Because the Bible says this. The Bible says evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, you know one of the most fatal mistakes you can make in, the, in, in this life? One of the most fatal mistakes you can make in this life is to think that the Scripture doesn't speak to your case. To think that the Scripture somehow uh, is not talking about your situation. That's one of the most fatal mistakes you can make. It always does. You know, Jesus told Peter, he said to Peter, Peter, uh, Satan has desired to sift you. Uh, <clears throat> he's desired to have you, but I've prayed for you. And um, <clears throat> when, you're, when you're converted, I convert your brethren. And by the way, Peter, uh, before <clears throat> this night's out, three times you're going to deny me. What does Peter say? No way. Peter, do you know what you're doing? You're telling the Lord that the scripture doesn't apply to you. You're telling the Lord that <clears throat> it doesn't. How, how, how daft is that? You know what he found very soon after? He found, you know what, the Scripture did apply to him. And the Scripture applies to you too. Evil communications always corrupt good manners. You hang out with the wrong people and you will be corrupted. That's a given. That's what the Bible says. Right? <clears throat> the Bible says that if you hang out with the wrong people, you are going to get, uh, <clears throat> you get in with the wrong crowd, you are going to end up with trouble in your life. You are going to end up with difficulties in your life. That's just the way it is. I remember as a kid running with the wrong crowd and realizing, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble here. And it wasn't that my parents hadn't told me. They had told me. you know. <clears throat> um, but you know what? I did things with that crowd I would never have done apart from them. Evil communications corrupt good manners. It's always true. Who are your friends? Who are the people that you hang out with? Who are the people? Your friends say a lot about you. They say a lot about where you're at, the people that you can get along with, the people whose company you can enjoy. You know, <clears throat> let me say this to you. Do you need to know people that are in the lost world? Yes, of course you do. Hopefully you do. Hopefully you have some people you can witness to. But can they be your friends? No. Because they're going a totally different direction. They can't be your friends. That's not going to help you. If you're going to be helped, you're going to have to have friends who help you and pull you up. You're going to have friends that have to have friends that encourage you. You know, you might be in a situation <clears throat> where, you know, you're forced to be with somebody who doesn't know the Lord and doesn't walk with the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes people are married to somebody who doesn't know the Lord. Uh, we've got Fals Mom living with us. But you know what? That can't be your friendship. You've got to have other people that are going to have an impact on your life for good. Or you're going to get pulled down. And remember, it's always easier to pull the person down from a height than it is to pull the person up from below. And isn't that what we always think? Well, I'll help them. I'll pull them up. You can't pull them up. You need to understand, yes, you can minister to people like that. Yes, you, and you should. You can talk to You can help. But you can't have them as your friends. You can't have them as your trusted confidants. You can't follow their counsel. 
What does the Bible say? The Bible says that the the, the man, the happy man, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't walk in that counsel. He doesn't listen to that. Now, you know what? If you listen to the scriptures I'm giving you out tonight, some of you, that's going to affect your lives greatly. It means you're going to have to change some things in your life. And you can say, oh, well, that's just pastor on a rant on a, on a Sunday night. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. And this is the way I've always done it and so on. And it's worked for me so far. And you know what? You're going to find out, not that I'm right. You're going to find out that the scripture is always right. Evil communications corrupt good manners. It's going to corrupt your life. It's going to tear you down. <clears throat> Amnon was corrupted because he had a friend. If he hadn't had a friend like that, if he hadn't had somebody who was clever and crafty and unscrupulous like Jonadab, you know what? He probably would never have done what he did to his sister. Her life would not have been ruined. His life would not have ended quickly. And his brother's life would not have been ruined. And countless other people hurt in the situation too. It was all because he had a friend. Now, <clears throat> let me give you some People from Proverbs <clears throat> that you're not supposed to associate with, right? <clears throat> now, again, listen, this is, I'm going to give you truth in the Scripture. I'm going to have you eyeball the Scripture uh, to look at it here. And, and you can do, do one of two things. You can say, oh my, I need to change this. Or you can say, oh, forget that. That's ridiculous. That's too much. I can't, I, I can't live like that. You, you, you got a choice. You got a free will. God gave you this marvelous, wonderful thing called a free will. Uh, he made you in his image. And he's going to let you do uh, <clears throat> what you choose to do. He's not going to stand in front of you and cry and weep and stop you. He's not going to do it. Remember the rich young ruler? Jesus said to him, go sell all, all that you have and come follow me. What did the rich young ruler uh, do? He, he said he went away sorrowful. Um, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus loved him, but he didn't stop him. He let him go because he had a free will. You have a free will too. Okay, all right. So let's, that's quick. We, we got six points here we're going to look at, and then we're done. We're going to eat and have fun together. All right, six points, right? First of all, do not associate with a gossip. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 19. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 19. Now, they're all in Proverbs, so that's easy for you. You don't have to go the whole Bible. Uh, you just have to stay in Proverbs with me, all right? <clears throat> Proverbs 20, verse 19. He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Don't hang out with him, don't be with him, don't meddle with this guy. He that goeth about as a talebearer. Now, do you know what? There's something perverse in our natures that we love juicy gossip, don't we? Now, don't say you don't, you do. You love juicy gossip, everybody does. You have to fight against it in your lower nature, and you have to put yourself in the place where uh, you want to hear the right thing. So, you know, you love a gossip. Now, you know, some of the problems with the gossip, the person who gossips to you will gossip about you. Haven't you found that? The person who gossips to you will gossip about you. And you know what? Gossips create strife where there is none. You know, it's so easy for a story to start one place and to work its way until it becomes something entirely different. And you who listen to a gossip are going to catch onto the story and get it all wrong. And you're going to have strife with the person. Even if the strife is only in your mind, you're going to have strife with them. Don't listen to gossips and talebearers. Don't hang out with them. Now, if you're a gossip and a talebearer, stop. 
You've got to just stop. I know it's fun. But you know what? <clears throat> there's, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but the wages of sin are death. Right? There's only pleasure there for a season, and it's, it's going to cost you. Don't be a gossip. You know, get over trading uh, in information about other people. Get over that. That's wrong. That's not something that you should do. And it's not something that you should be around someone who does. Now, what if you did this to somebody who's a gossip? And, you know, you probably know somebody uh, that's a gossip. And, you know, you say, oh, yeah, there's this person. What if you were to say to that person, listen, if you're going to keep on gossiping like that, I don't want to be around you anymore. What do you think that would do? That would be so rude, wouldn't it? That will be so mean. That will be you obeying the Scripture. What do you think it would do to the person you said it to? They might get angry. They probably would. People normally don't take rebuke very quickly and very well. They might get angry. They might get upset. Uh, you know, but they would be confronted with their sin. And if two or three people confronted them with their sin, it would be amazing what could happen as far as change in their lives are con- is concerned. But as long as you go along with it, here's what happens. You listen to the gossip. What it does is it fires you up, you enjoy the gossip, you listen to the gossip, you enjoy the gossip, and you know what? You're drawn into it. And God says, no, don't meddle with that kind of a person. Don't meddle with a tailbearer, right? <clears throat> okay, number two, do not associate with somebody given to anger. Proverbs 22, verse 24. Just over the page, right? <laughs> Proverbs 22, verse 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Right? You're not supposed to be friends with an angry person. You say, hang on a minute, but you know what? Listen, I like the guy. And yeah, he has a problem. Yeah, he blows his stack from time to time, and you know, everybody has to scatter, but I kind of like him. I kind of like being around him. Uh, you know, he's, he, he's fun to be with her. She's fun to be around her. Hang on a minute. The Bible is saying... Make no friendship with them. And in the next verse, if, it looks at, if you look at it, it tells you why, right? Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. Did you ever notice that anger is something that kind of, <clears throat> if you go with it, you feel more of it? Did you ever notice that? If you're driving the road, down the road and you get angry with the driver in the car next to you who's done something daft like you've never done in your life, right? Uh, but he's done something daft on the road and you get angry with him and get bent out of shape with him. And then, you know what? The next time somebody does something daft further down the road, you're quicker to get angry. It's almost like you build up the rage within you and you kind of stoke it like a fire. Because it is like a fire. Right? And so, you know what happens is that when you're with somebody who's angry and they get angry with you, you know, you know what you've got to do? You've got to get angry back to defend yourself because there's no other way. Anger doesn't listen to reason. You can't say to anger, no, no, listen, just, just settle down here and let's discuss this rationally and peacefully. It's not going to work. In order for you to talk to somebody who's angry, you're going to end up having to raise your voice and you're going to end up having to stare them down and you're going to end up having to fight with them. And you know what will happen in your life? You'll end up learning anger. You might even be there. Now you say, but pastor, are you seriously saying that if I know somebody who's angry and he's my friend, I'm supposed to say, I can't hang around with you anymore? That's what I mean. You know, my dad said to me about my friends that, <clears throat> that, were, that were off. And there's a whole long story about it. Uh, but my dad said, <clears throat> I was not to hang around with them anymore. All right? And do you know what? 
It was the greatest excuse for me. I told him, you know what, I can't hang out with you anymore. My dad's, my dad's really angry. He says he's going to kill somebody if he sees me with you again. And um, I can't hang out with you any longer. And the friendship ended. And I, end, I stopped doing the things I was doing because I wasn't around those guys anymore. And you say, that's kind of chicken. You put it off on your father. <clears throat> Listen, it got me out of it. Okay? You put it off on your father. You say, no, I can't be with you. You're angry. I can't, I can't hang out with you. I can't be around you because you know what the Bible says? I'm not supposed to be with an angry person unless I learn his ways. Do you know that if you let anger run in your life, the people around you will learn anger too? They just will. They have to. Because they have to deal with it in their lives. And you'll be responsible for it. You know what? If you have friends with an angry person, you need to quit it. You need to quit it. Give it over because the Bible says you're not supposed to be friends with an angry person, right? Okay. Um, Let me skip over the next one and go. Uh, Do not be a companion to somebody who is self-indulgent, right? Look at Proverbs 28, verse 7. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. Don't be a companion to somebody who is self-indulgent. You may need somebody who who gives themselves to all kinds of fun and all kinds of wrong things, and he's riotous, and the idea is partying and wild and and out there. And so you you may be friends with somebody like that, and, and God says, don't be. Stop being friends with them. Stop having a friendship like that. Stop having a friendship with somebody who's indulging themselves and living riotously. Because here's the problem. The problem for you is that if you hang out with it, you will get involved in it. That's just the way it is. You're going to get affected by it. You say, no, no, I won't. I can go to the pub with them and I'll just have a Coke. Yeah, for most people, for how long? For how long before you slip into more than just a Coke? How long before you get drawn? And you say, well, I won't be as bad as them. Yeah, but you know what what happens is? What happens is you move the line in your life. And you come to the place where you're doing things that are really not convenient, that are not good for you, that are not right. And what's happening for you is you're getting drawn into situations that you shouldn't be in as a believer. read a story today. It was funny, right? The farmer was uh, annoyed about these crows that were <clears throat> messing with his crops and they were causing problems and so on. So one day he got someone and took the gun and he went out and um, he, he let off a few shots at the crows and he, he killed some of them and scattered some of them. And then he noticed a colorful bundle on the ground and he went over and you know what was the colorful bundle was? It was his parrot. And his parrot was out socializing with the crows and you know what? Uh, the kids came out and they said, Dad! Did you shoot the crow? Did you shoot our parrot? And he said, yeah, he was with the wrong crowd. (laughs) And you know what? That's what happens. You get in trouble when you're with the wrong crowd. You get in trouble. Listen, you know what? (laughs) Um, When a police car pulls up, it doesn't ask who started the fight. The guards don't get out and say, what are you fighting about, guys? You're supposed to love each other. They don't do that. They just bundle everybody in the back of the car and take them all off and charge them all. 
Listen, you got to understand that when you hang out with a riotous crowd, you're going to be one of them. And probably there's not one of us in this room that hasn't at some point in our lives learned, you know what, that's true. It's amazing to me how practical and real the Scripture is. And it's amazing how practical and real the Scripture is. and how You know what? You put it to the test and it'll bear out in your life to be true. You know, <clears throat> that don't keep some company with somebody who is self-willed. Then don't keep company with immoral people. Look at Proverbs 29, verse 3. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father, but he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. Don't keep company with immoral people. Now you say, hang on a minute, that means a particular kind of people that sell themselves for profit. Well, you know what? It's actually broader than that. Yeah, we, live in a, we live in a day and age when, it's, when, when immorality is the new norm. Reading a book... And um, fascinating uh, what he says. He, he, he makes, it, makes this point. He says that what's happened is the immoral have actually pushed the moral off the high ground. And they've taken the high ground, the immoral people, as if they're moral. And they've told us we're immoral now for wanting to be moral. Right? <clears throat> Homosexuality. Right? It's wrong for you to say anything negative about homosexuality today. 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. What they've done is they've changed, they've turned the whole thing upside down, they've put themselves on the high ground, and they've put us on the low ground so that we're the ones that are wrong. And by the way, you need to think, think through these things and not go with the flow of society. You need to think through these things because if you go with the flow of society and the flow of society is a tsunami at the moment, if you go with the flow of society, you're going to get it wrong. I, okay, but the Bible says this to you. Don't hang out with immoral people. Don't hang out with people who play with this idea of morality and live in a way that's not right. Just don't do it. Don't, it will affect you. It will impact you. You say, no, 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 pastor, you don't understand me. I'm, I've got my act together. I know how moral I am. I'm telling you, you don't know better than Scripture, and neither do I, and you know what's going to happen? If you hang out with immoral people, it will have an impact on you. That's just the way it goes. Bible says don't do it. All right, so don't do it. All right, then. <clears throat> Last one, don't become a companion of fools. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Now, let me ask you a question before you look at the verse. Do you want to be wise or do you want to be foolish? Now, you have to think about it, don't you? You have to think, about it. do I want to be wise or do I want... No, of course you don't. You want to be wise, don't you? That's, that's clearly what you want. I mean, I, mean, <clears throat> I mean, wouldn't it be dumb to say, no, 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 I, I aspire to being a fool, right? You know, no, 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 you want to be wise, right? Okay, now let's read the verse. Proverbs 14 and verse 2. He that walketh, sorry, now what was that? What, 13 verse 20, sorry. Um, <clears throat> he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a cap companion of fools shall be destroyed. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now, what do we know about the fool from the Bible? 
Well, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Yeah? The fool lives his life as though there's no God, there's no one to be accountable to, there's no one to actually uh, answer to, you know, he can do his own thing and live his own way. And, um, you know, typically fools are not quietly fools. Now, wise people can be quiet about it, but fools typically are not quiet about their foolishness, are they? They want everybody to know what they believe. They want everybody to know there is no God and there's nobody they have to answer. And you know, they're going to try and force it on you too. And the Bible says, if you want to be wise, walk with wise people. If you want to be destroyed, walk with fools. Now you say, Pastor, these things are hard. You're talking about me walking away from friends, friends of a lifetime. You're talking about me leaving behind people uh, that, <clears throat> that have been good friends to me. They're, they're loyal to me. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You see, Christians can be some of the silliest people on the planet sometimes. Because we talk about love. And the Bible talks about love. And it talks about us loving people and loving each other. And you know what? That's true. But you know, us loving people does not mean us loving them into sin. There is a point where even though you might love somebody, you say goodbye to them. Remember the rich young ruler? We're not going to look at it for time. Say, but you remember the rich young ruler? It breaks my heart, that story, because the Bible says that the Lord looked on him and he loved him. He looked at this guy and he thought, I love him. I, I want to help him. I want to Bless him. Now, the Bible doesn't say that. I'm taking it a little bit further. I want to bless him. I want to help him. And so he, he asked the rich young ruler some questions, and he gets the answers right. But he realizes this rich young ruler has a dependence that's not God. It's his money. And so he gives him a test. He says, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the rich young ruler can't do it. And he walks away. And Jesus doesn't run after him and say, oh, come on, okay, come on. Well, look, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, that's probably too hard for you. Let's settle down about, why don't you just do 25% this year, and we'll talk about the other 75% next year. He doesn't. He lets him go. He lets him walk away. Do you know that in your life, God's going to give you some people that you can help? And they're going to be of God. And you're going to know those people that you can help. And, and you know what? They're going to get help. They're going to change. And God's going to bring a lot of people through your path that you can't help. Because you may know the right answers. You may have the truth. You may be brilliant at communicating the truth they need to have. But you know what? You can't make them do anything. You can't get in their heads and unscramble their brains and make them do anything. Some people you're just going to have to accept. You know what? They're going to go their own way. They're going to do their own thing, and I can't stop them. But I'm not going there with them. And you're going to have to put a distance between you and them. You're going to have to put a barrier between you and them. It's just the way of life.
if Amnon had put a barrier between him and Jonadab, one of the most sordid chapters in the Scripture would never have been written. One of the most wicked, defiling chapters in the book would never have been written if he had said, you know what, Jonadab, you're not a good friend. You're not the kind of person I want to be around. I don't want to hear from you. And you know what? If you don't learn to put a barrier between you and the wrong kind of friendship, what you'll find is you'll find that you bitterly regret it. Why? Because the Bible says there are people you shouldn't hang out with. There are people you shouldn't be friends with. Right? <clears throat> now, let's close on a happier note. There is a friend that sticketh closer to a brother that wants your friendship. There is one that wants your friendship and that wants to give himself 99% to your 1%. He will never lead you astray. He will never do you wrong. He will never hurt you. He will always be there for you. He will be the friend that's there when nobody else is. Cultivate a friendship with him. Go deep in that. Make that the number one friendship in your life. Make that the number one. Make him the number one friendship. And, and listen, I mean number one above husband, above wife. doesn't matter who. Make him the number one friendship and, and, and enjoy that friendship. And trust him to bring some good friends into your life. Some good friends that love him and want to serve him and want to live for him. Trust him to bring those kind of friends. Friends that will sharpen you. Friends that will help you. Friends that will be honest with you. That will tell you when you're wrong. Isn't that hard? The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. That when a friend says to you, you're wrong. And you know, that's a real friend. And by the way, recognize that as a real friend. You know what you'll find that if you walk with God, God will give you friends. God will give you the right friends. God will give you friends that can help and can bless your life and can encourage you. He'll lead you and guide you into those friendships. He's, he, he, he cares about you. He wants a relationship with you and he wants no opposition in it. But he wants you to have friends too. In Psalm 142, David is horribly lonely. He says, no man cares for my soul. But he says, but God, you are my rock and my fortress and my portion in the land of the living. And you will surround me with the godly. And you know what? God did. God wants a relationship with you, but he also wants you to have friends that can be a help and a blessing to you. And if you trust him and let him, he will bring them into your lives. And then cultivate those relationships that are heaven-blessed. Cultivate them. Work on them. Don't, don't, don't destroy them. Don't ruin them. Work on those relationships. But you know what? There are very few people you should give your heart to. Because giving your heart means accepting their counsel and their advice. If you're going to accept the counsel and the advice of somebody, you need to know that they are godly. Because blessed, happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And God can and will bless your life through friends. Make him your number one friend. Reject the friendships of the world that are wrong and trust him for good friends. Let's stand for prayer.
Father in heaven, would you bless us tonight, Lord? We look to you. We depend upon you. Lord, there's not a one in this room, Lord, that doesn't understand what it is to want and to need friends. And Lord, there's probably not a one in this room that hasn't been tempted and tested and, uh, and Lord, <clears throat> been in the place, Lord, where they've had wrong friends that could draw them away. Lord, would you give us courage? Would you bless us and help us uh, to reject the wrong friendships? Lord, would you help us to make you the friend that we need and to live in, in your presence in such a way that you satisfy our hearts? And Lord, would you give us other friends, Lord? Would you give us friends that can be a help and a blessing in our relationship with you? And Lord, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.